Chris from the future here. Bob and I recorded this on the day of the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade, where a gunman opened fire, killing one person and injuring more than 20. Um, you can hear us talking about the parade uh, during the recording. Obviously, we didn't know what was happening. Um, our thoughts are obviously with the victims and their families. It's a little surreal to think about how we recorded that day because Bob had the day off and that we were talking about events that happened both physically and temporally close to the shooting. Uh, Mallory, my wife, pointed out that a lot of people at the hotel where we stayed probably went to the parade, and we'd have no way of knowing if we ate breakfast next to someone who was later a shooting victim. Uh, um, mass shootings are common in the United States. This is either the second line break I've had to intro this way, or it's a plausible false memory. And we don't have to live this way. I, I, I feel a little silly. I, I, I Obviously, you can probably hear in my voice that I wrote this statement. I feel silly reading it out loud, but I, we don't have to live this way. And it's unnatural and unfair that we do. Um, but the, the United States is a nation of cowards. We have cowardly politicians who do nothing to prevent this violence, and we have cowards who think picking up a, a gun is the answer to anything in the first place. It's bullshit that I have to start the episode this way, and it's bullshit that 20-plus people are either dead or now have physical and psychological scars and a mountain of medical debt. Probably no one ever talks about the medical debt you incur from being the victim of a shooting. Um, and it's bullshit that the citizens of a supposedly civilized country have to walk around with this fear. There is no good transition from here into what I think is a very fun and very special episode of the show. But I feel compelled to say, for whoever needs to hear it, for whomever needs to hear it. My dad might listen to this. <laughs> Violence is a failure of the imagination. And poetry is a place where imagination is to be celebrated, exercised, and stretched. This particular episode of this poetry podcast is dedicated to the community that can happen around arts. We hope that after... God, this is corny, but I, I mean it. Uh, you know... I don't know, this is corny, but I mean it. We hope that after you listen, you feel a little better about the possibilities of community, art, and peace. Hello, and welcome to the Line Break Podcast. My name is Chris Corlew, and with me as always is my friend and co-host, Bob Sakura. Hi, Chris. Hey, Bob. It feels like we just saw each other. It does, it does. Partially because we were both at, well, you didn't have much of a choice but to be there. We were both at AWP uh, this past weekend. Uh, we were both in Kansas City as uh, something else important was happening in the city, but we were only focused on poetry. Um, Bob, how was your AWP? Uh, AWP was pretty good. Um, yeah. As a, I feel like I would say I'm at least an agnostic um, about it. I was, I was anxious going into it. It felt very weird for it to be in the city that I live in. Um, I think it does this for everybody, but I, I think, again, particularly with it being in the city, it brought up a lot of anxiety of, like, what am I an insider to? What am I an outsider to? You know, how sure. much do I feel like part of a greater community? How much do I feel like a fraud? You know, that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, and I had lots of kind of, like, ambitions of how I, I thought I could be helpful in the sense of it's coming to my city, and I feel more... 
um, integrated in the scene here. I know lots of things about the city. Um, and I ended up not really doing any of that. I kind of just went as a participant, and it really helped to take all that pressure away and just, like, prioritize um, seeing people I care about, seeing people I haven't seen in a long time, seeing some people, meeting some people for the first time. Um, and, and unfortunately, I'm a sucker for a good panel. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm kind of here to learn. I, I, you know, I have my friend Melissa tells me after the, at the last day of the conference that she stayed in the, the book hall the entire time and didn't go to a single panel. Wow. <laughs> I mean, know? you can do that. That's totally pretty easy can. to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's not my strategy, though. I need, <laughs> I need some downtime. I need to just, like, learn and listen to some people. So, yeah, I, I've walked away. Yeah, I, I, I was te- we were texting at the end, and I told her, I was starting to say, I'm feeling energized. And she was like, how can you possibly feel energized? And I'm like, you're, you're right, you're right. Hang on. I'm, I'm very tired from the conference, but I'm feeling energized about first book stuff based on some of the panels I heard. And Nice. Yeah, so I, I felt like I walked away getting a lot out of it, felt good, not much depressed me, and I, like, didn't overdo it. Good. You know? Yeah. Good. Yeah. How about you? This is your first uh, time uh, since you were a much younger writer. Yeah, um, I would say my, my first time as a real writer <laughs> going to AWP. Uh, I went once as a student and once as a drunkard, and uh, this is my first time as a writer. <laughs> um, I will echo a lot of your thoughts. Um, I, I don't want to say I was agnostic about it. I was really excited about it because I was determined to have a good time, but that's mm-hmm. kind of my general vibe anyway um, also I should plug myself I wrote about this all on my blog you should go read my blog shipwrecksailor.substack.com um, but no I, I had I feel like AWP much like the internet much like life you get out what you put in and yeah. you you have to I, I don't know I, feel, I, may, I don't know maybe this is the dad in me but I feel like I have to go into things with intention and be like this is what I'm going to try to do and if I can do these things I'll be happy right and I left with the the same spirit you had, like kind of energized, um, very tired, very bodily tired, but uh, you know, e- energized about what 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 gatherings of writers can 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 do for, if if nothing else, our own like like spirits, you know. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I was definitely there to learn, like you. I, I I did like, although when when my mother-in-law asked me if I learned anything, I was like. I mean, nothing I can tell you over the phone. <laughs> you know? But um, yeah, I, I mostly was excited to see friends and excited yeah. to go to readings and excited to go to book fair. There are people I wish I saw. There are people I wish I saw more, certainly, right. than I did. Right. But um, it was great to see the people I did. It was... Uh, um, I, I did three panels. I probably could have done more, but I was, I was grateful for each one that I did. Yeah. I did three readings. I probably could have done more, but I was grateful for each one that I did. And I also have my wife and son with me, so like, I was we got say, to like have the... like a family vacation too. Right, know? right, um, right. Which was awesome. Um, we went to your house. That was great. We had barbecue at my house, which I was grateful for too. I, I think um, both because it was like a really enjoyable time, but also it was just like one more thing to take off the pressure of like, oh, I don't need to go to all these offsite readings. Um, I thought I was going to be up late more than I was. Yeah, um, same. And maybe I could have done that if I would have taken my days off teaching. Um, but similarly, I was grateful that I like had the like I I went and taught two classes Wednesday, Thursday, Friday morning. Um, when apparently I probably could have taken them off um, yeah. because conferences, work duties, whatever, blah blah blah. 
But, um, missing class sucks though. It's good to keep up with the syllabus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And and it did like nicely like tie me down of like okay I can only do afternoon panels when I go. I can only be there for so long. Yeah. Um, and I was you know waking up my regular time every morning. So when someone tells me a reading starts at nine, I was like maybe not. That's kind yeah. of okay to not do. <laughs> yeah. Because I was up very late every night the last time I went to in DC in 2017 and. That's like totally one of those awful things to hear out loud to be like, oh wow, I was a much younger man in 2017. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> I mean, you know. Uh... Right, it's fine. Time does its thing. Yeah. Um, but the other exciting thing about AWP is we talked to all these people and met all these people, and you were totally on top of the ball, and you recorded some poets reading for the pod! Yeah! This is something I'm truly excited about. Um, it's something Brendan and I have talked about doing with Lazy and Entitled some, just like, how can we do, like, audio stuff with poetry readings and stuff, you know? And, and, and like, just, like, incorporate things like the medium of podcasting to to poetry reading so this is just like, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling kind of spicy i'm gonna put music behind us talking like like it's a radio show i don't know yeah. we'll see we'll see if it doesn't work i'll cut this out <laughs> but yeah we had we did a, i was calling it guerrilla poetry all weekend um uh just shoving my computer in people's faces and being like hey i know you have a poem on you read um so yeah we we got some uh we got some readers and um first up it feels appropriate uh, dear friend and fellow KC resident, Stephen J. Furlong. Bob, what do you know about Stephen? You're going to have to edit yourself. Stephen, friend of the pod, friend of me in real life, uh, <laughs> uh, editor uh, with, with Garden Party Collective with me. Uh, Stephen no longer lives in Kansas City on the other side oh, of state that's now. that's right. Yeah, he was uh, telling me that. Yes, yes, right. he did tell me that. In St. Louis, but he did come back. And I just um, refused to internalize it. Um, but uh, Stephen, who we've had on the pod, the mind for being a poetry fan better than anyone we've had. You had a great line about this. I'm already butchering this bio. you got to edit all of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Stephen uh, is an editor with Garden Party Collective. Um, his chapbook was published, I want to say, in 2019 with Astrovia Press. Um, it's available for free online. The physical copies are all gone. been published all over the place. And, you know, an incredible friend and part of the community on Twitter at Stephen J. Furlong. Hello, I'm here in the lobby at AWP with Stephen Furlong. This is When You Stop Singing. I knew our love was troubled. I didn't know how to fix it. Love demands more than duct tape and the rattles of loose change. All right, next up, uh, we have another friend of the pod, friend in real life, uh, someone who was almost once on the pod in its earliest incarnation. Uh, if uh, the uh, recording didn't get deleted on a computer of yours, yeah, yeah. Uh, Teo Shannon. Yeah, Teo Shannon, um, uh, a dear friend and fellow um, uh, cotton xenomorph. Well, you know, OEIC of Cotton Xenomorphia, he kind of, you know, helped start the whole thing, um, and is nice enough to employ me, um, but uh, more officially, <laughs> Teo Shannon is a poet, linguist, and educator based in East Lansing, Michigan. Short and sweet bio. Here's Teo. I'm here in the AWP lobby with Teo Shannon. Teo, take it away. Auto da fe. When the pyre is lit, 
the criminal shouts to the crowd gathered below. He proclaims his innocence. The smoke rises. The skin, which feels the holiest of pains, turns to ash. Then, numbness. But his breath burns. Smoke and ember eat away the tenderness of the throat and lungs. He is a spectacle, quickening his death through his screams. He believes himself a martyr. What cruel things everyone has said about him. How foolish they'll feel when he comes down in his golden chariot. Oh, why then does the crackle of firework surge so loudly in his ears? All right, and then next up, uh, more from the uh, Continuomorph Extended Universe. <laughs> Corey and Clark. The, uh, the CXCU. <laughs> <laughs> or CXEU. Uh, yeah, Chloe and Clark um, uh, uh, is the one who reached out to me to hire me a Morph, which I'm forever grateful for. Uh, Chloe and Clark has never met an Oreo she wouldn't try. She writes poetry and fiction and some essays about food mostly, but also does critical scholarship on the history of horror, gender and science fiction, monstrosity and othering, and inclusive practices and pedagogy. She's the founding co-editor-in-chief of online literary journal Cotton Xenomorph. And one thing that's not on our bio is that Chloe does a lot of asynchronous online workshops, fiction workshops. Uh, on, I've taken ones on sci-fi and horror, and if she's ever offering them, they are worth signing up for. Chloe, take it away. I'm here in the AWP lobby with Chloe Hi. and Clark. I'm going to be reading a poem called John Wick as Ghost Story. Some nights you wake up positive that the one you love is sitting in the dark beside you as a ghost. You never turn to look though, and so they've never died. He asked once if you believed always that the ghosts of the living would come for you. You tried hard not to nod. She asked maybe twice if you were afraid of the living dead, those zombies coming back. You shook your head. You almost always want to turn to see the one you love, though in dreams she never lives. You wake up often to the ghost beside, of you, beside you weeping. One of you is weeping. You answered just the one time that you'd never fear something you'd been for so long. Okay, Bob, this next poet I was really thrilled to meet in person, and uh, I said my blog today and I meant it. Someone who is so cool, I feel like I'm not cool enough to be friends with them, but somehow we are friends with them. Uh, our next poet is, uh, again, former guest, uh, Dianelli Antigua. Uh, Dianelli, who would be very upset at the idea, well, she'd be flattered, but upset at the idea that you think uh, any cooler than you. Dianelli Antigua, um, longtime friend of the show, friend of the pod, who uh, at the conference, uh, we realized we hadn't seen each other in person in seven years. So it was really wow. good to catch up. Yeah. Um, Dianelli Antigua is a Dominican-American poet and educator born and raised in Massachusetts. Her debut collection, Ugly Music. Uh, published by Yes Just Books 2019, was the winner of the Pamant River Prize and the 2020 Wedding Award. Her second poetry collection, Good Monsters, is coming out in May from Copper Canyon Press. Um, she hosts uh, our, our, our peer podcast, Bread and Poetry. She's currently the Poet Laureate of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Um, and she's a hoot. She's great. Um, the poems rule. Like, this next one is going to rule. You already know. I already know. I'm here post-panel with Dianelli Antigua. It's so pretty to drunk cry on a subway platform about an ex's dying uncle you didn't know, or about not finding the right mask for the party, the pull of wine on your brows underneath the plastic face. 
Somewhere in this city, there is a metal swamp. There's a pink dress spotted with black. There is a toad throat ballooning from inside taffeta and tulle. She is the best you'll ever look. Reflection passing with a blur of subway cars, salt biting your face. It's the itch that stays, and you want to be good. Give the stranger something when he asks, but you only have May and the people dead in it. Do you know what it is to hate a season? When things sprout and you want to dig, there's an urban garden looking for volunteers. You sign up when a man with dirty hands offers you strawberries. In Spanish, the word for strawberry is one letter off from fresh. In Spanish, a mother sings to her mother a song to help enter the end. In Spanish, you recite a prayer you learned as a child. Padre nuestro que estás en el cielo. And in no particular tongue, the train horn responds. Continuing with the New England theme, I guess, you know, we, we got we got some cohesion to this. <laughs> Moving out of the xenomorph xenosphere and into uh, into New England. Uh, next up, we have someone who is really kind, who is on a panel with um, a reader who's coming up. And um, I saw afterwards, I was doing my gorilla poetry thing, and I said, hey, man, I really liked your panel. Do you want to sing into a can for me? You want to read some poems into my computer? And he was totally game. He was totally cool. And um, uh, yeah, Bob, Bob as, 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 a, as someone with ties to New England, I'll let you take over from here. <laughs> yeah, I, I also very briefly met Matt, um, who clearly knows lots of people I know from my time in Boston. Um, <laughs> Matt W. Miller uh, was raised in Lowell, Massachusetts. He's the author of Tender the River from Texas Review Press. Wounded for the Water, Salmon Poetry, Club Icarus, University of North Texas Press, which was selected by Major Jackson. So good. That's awesome to say. Uh, <laughs> and uh, cameo dinner poems from Loom. He teaches English and coaches football at Phillips Exeter Academy, where he also co-directs the writer's workshop at Exeter. He lives in New Hampshire with his wife, Emily Meehan, and their children, Delaney and Joseph. Take away, Matt. I'm here post-panel with new friend Matt W. Miller. This poem is called In the Clover. The white clover seeded has sprung and our bit of yard is stamped in flittering green as my son backflips on the trampoline. He'd want our yard to be green like other yards, thick with bladed plains. The grass needs cutting, fertilizer, water, so much water, but still a drought keeps drinking this country dry. I heard in California the water now tastes like dirt and always the fires get worse, then worse. That's why this spring I dump clover in our dust. It needs less, asks less, attracts pollinating bugs like bees. I miss there being so many bees. The clover petals whisper for naked toes on the evening breeze. Deer love eating clover, but we live in town, so I doubt deer will feed here in daylight. When we drove to a nearby beach the other day, my son and I saw a deer bolt across the road before leaping like a licking flame over a fence and into the woods. Nothing moves like a deer, nothing of flesh, like fire, like a stream. My friend hunts deer with a bow. He says nothing dies like a deer, shocked out of this world by a broadhead under the breast, its face falling into split heads of clover. 
I read, to be in the clover means to be carefree. To die in clover may be the same. Three petals mean the Holy Trinity and four for the Iron Cross. I recall a bad Cold War movie from the 80s where the hero finds a field of four-leaf clovers as a sign of nuclear waste. Hardly Irish luck or God's good grace. In the clover-filled paradox, when two realities collide, one vies for dominance. Research shows drinking red clover tea reduces menopausal hot flashes. Google clover and it's not the plant that shows up first, but some credit card processing company, then a food lab, and then a dating app, for which I'm sure a genetic disposition to roll a clover leaf tongue would be a plus. My son saw a speech therapist to wrap his tongue around, better around the L's and R's. Going there was all his idea. He noticed his words sounded different, but I love that voice too, and I imagined him unfurling a petal to say, Dad, come look at all the quova. Beautiful, man. Moving from the Northeast in my past life, uh, we're bringing it down to your past life in Tennessee. Uh, our next reader is Todd Osborne. Yeah, I was thrilled to meet Todd. I met him at the uh, um, Bell Point uh, press table while he was he happened to be signing. I, I, I shout out to Casey Dodd, the uh, editor there, who, who I'm, I'm also internet friends with and, and meeting for the first time in person. Uh, Todd happened to be there, and you know, Casey brought up our our Middle Tennessee connection, um, and uh, so so yeah, so yeah, I, I I bought Todd's book and then badgered him to come on the show. So, <laughs> Todd Osborne is a poet and teacher originally from Nashville. He is a feedback editor for Tinderbox Poetry Journal and a poetry reader for Memorias. His poems have been featured at Scrawl Place, Cut Bank, The Missouri Review, Tar River Poetry an eco-theo review. He lives in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, with his wife and their three cats. Love cats. All right, Todd. I'm here at the AWP Book Fair with a um, new friend and fellow Middle Tennessean, Todd Osborne. Todd, take it away. Thank you so much. This is a poem about Nashville called Ghost Ballet. My hometown has suspicious taste in communal art. There is a roller coaster by the river, the one that flooded its banks in 2010, which no one remembers unless you were there, unless you felt water pouring two days straight and worried what would be left. And I guess what I mean is there are two tracks of red steel tangled, not like lovers, but like the arms of a robot, where the kinds of minds see a body on their steps as a threat, legislate rights only to those who look like them and none else. It's called Ghost Ballet because that's the only kind of ballet left in Nashville. It's called Ghost Ballet because the afterlife funds the arts more than Nashville. It's called Ghost Ballet because I and you and we can never return to where we once were, always ghosting our way through the city, down Hermitage Ave, toward Broad, and there it waits on the far bank, a solo dancer with the lights turned off, a ballerina in an empty room. And then uh, further going around the book, fo book fair, seeing all the places Chris stopped. Um, <laughs> so excited. Last year, this, this next reader um, was one of the co-founders of River, River, River River Books, which like just seems to be like such a good like spot, you know, just like coming from a great place and like trying to do right um, in the like gross, gross, gross world of publishing. Um, Amora Kiwi. Yeah, Amora Kiwi was uh, was was also really kind. Of, we were trying to get his um, 
uh, River River uh, compatriot uh, Han Vanderhart to Tulsary, but I forgot that Han told me their flight left in the afternoon on Saturday, and so or was it Saturday? Whatever day it was, and uh, I arrived too late. But uh, Amorak was nice enough to read. Uh, we're going to do a condensed bio from his website. Amorak Huey is a poet and professor, writer, and sometime journalist, a decent dad, and a mediocre slow pitch softball player, an occasional essayist, and co-founder of a small poetry press. Amorak is the author of four poetry collections. Just beautiful books too dad jokes from the late patriarchy from sundress publications boombox from sundress publications seducing the asparagus queen cloud bank books winner of the seducing the asparagus queen from cloud bank books which was winner of the Vern roots Vern rutzela prize remember you saying that right bob do you know who this no is? idea no all right no idea <laughs> excellent and ha 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 thump from sundress publications as well as two chapbooks the Insomniac Searchers from Hyacinth Girl Press, and A Map of the Farm Three Miles from the End of the Happy Hollow Road from Pork Belly Press. In March 22, as Bob alluded to, Amorak and Han Vanderhart co-founded River River Books, which began publishing their first poetry books in June 2023. Here we go. I'm here at the River River table with Amorak Huey. All right, this is Captain Picard, teaches my son to throw a football. Picard is talking about visualization. Imagine the ball leaving your fingers, he says. Imagine spin, trajectory, destination, then make it so. My son rolls his eyes, he just wants to throw. Kirk was a way better captain, he says. My son values deed over word. My son believes in kicking problems in the face. Picard is unbothered, tireless. His example toss transcribes a perfect helix. Everything he says contains multiple layers of wisdom. He describes the route he will run, tells my son to count to four before firing to the outside shoulder. Down, set, engage, he says. My son's throw hits Picard in the back of the head. The spiral, the bald spot, the ball bouncing away. The lesson proceeds. And we close out our guest guerrilla poetry reading series, uh, reading section, I guess, um, with a dear friend of the show who I felt lucky to get to hang out with as much as I did, past guest, Maya Williams. I've got to say, yeah, what a delight to hang out and spend some time with Maya in person. Um, you know, like, I, I, I think the energy is palpable um, on their episode um, yeah. of, of just, like, the positivity and, like, I, I general goodness it's such a treat um a vibe of general goodness just radiates off right (laughs) uh maya williams am they them and she her is a religious black multicultural non-binary suicide survivor who's currently an ashley bryan fellow and the seventh poet laureate of portland portland maine Uh, Maya's debut poetry collection, Judas and Suicide, is available through Game Over Books. And Maya's second poetry collection, Refuse a Second Date, is available now through Harbor Editions. Pick both those up. I'm here post-panel with Maya Williams. I love it when black people ask, how you living? More intentional than any, how are you doing, I'll be asked in my lifetime. How you living? Just trying to be more like you? The warmest hug from my friends and favorite cousins I desire after not seeing them for so long. How you living? Ah, you know how it is. 
the in-house check-in I can trust. How you living? Just hanging. The middle finger to suicide affecting our communities and the slap in white supremacy's face for wanting us dead. How you living? You know you're my homie, right? The angel on my shoulder pushing me to be more open about my curses in order to obtain more blessings. How you living? You know I love you, right? The permission we call a prayer to live at all. And that's it for our guerrilla poetry readers. Um, Bob, I was thinking about something you said when you said you were having some insecurities about like how plugged in are you to the scene and things like that, uh, which made you know like the local scene, which made me feel better because I am not plugged into the Chicago reading scene at all, and that's something I would like to change. So, in light of this special episode, where we're having uh, you know our, our, our live readers, uh, we thought it'd be fun to just this once. Read some of our own poetry. We don't like to be too self-indulgent as hosts, but um, yeah, we thought we'd, well, why not have a little fun? I read for the first time in, I think, 10 years, like, you know, non-podcast division while at right. AWP. Uh, and that, that, was, that, was, that, was, that was exhilarating. That was a thrill. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, ah. So yeah, you want to, uh, as we say, Bob, you got a poem? I do have a poem. Oh, that's weird to say it about my own work. Um, But sure, we'll indulge. Uh, This is called Self-Portrait as Utopian. When I'm truly beautiful, I'll believe anything. The great trundle of history eventually gallops in the right direction, doesn't it? In a raving field of books, a great landscape of wishes sun-bleached pages flailing and my whole body elated. The room of myself, all waxy red wires, the stringy remains of my organs left burning through the night. I keep believing, even as the tides turn back on me. Salt water spikes my nostrils, spackles my throat. The whole field is drenched now, and the sun looks so tired, limp, yellow, bulb, dangling there, port exposed, so close to the water. I still clutch the sacred scribbles long after the pages wash out, little holes marring the words. I look for the sun through a tear in the page. I pretend there's an eclipse. I pretend, like any old thing, it's a sign. Yeah, that was great, Bob. Thank you, thank you. And I was reading along on your um, the published version. It's probably the changed. published version. It's a little bit different, so I got to yeah. hear. I got to hear the edits. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right, right back at you. Do you have a poem? I do have a poem. I have a first draft of a poem. First draft. Um, That's yeah, I'm, I got on a new. I got on a new stuff kick at AWP. Yeah. I read one old poem and then three new ones, and I was like, I don't know. I like this new this new stuff. Let's do it. Right, right. Let's do it. This is warm February watching nature documentaries. A hippo heads straight for the surf, looking for a feeling of smallness and salt water. I dump some more salsa on my night nachos. There's a way if you try hard, you can make life really good. 
bike shop with its doors open this morning. I saw a dude on Clark Street leaving the gym in his shorts. I saw golden doodles without sweaters. I saw girls in hoodies getting after school chips and tea in a can. I saw my kid take his coat off while running on the playground and saw myself thinking it wasn't worth getting up to chastise. He was wearing his skull sweatshirt. Now I'm seeing a jaguar bite a crocodile. And sure, I'm stoned, but the kid's asleep. Thought about opening windows today. Shit, winter's so warm we didn't bother taping them this year. There's not much to like about Obama's post-presidency as of 2024, but what a great voice for nature documentaries. A macaque jumps on the back of a distracted deer, and I think, how humiliating without language. No negotiation, no established friendship. You're a vessel now, dear. Let me ride you. There's no penance I know to make up for droning Lebanese weddings or not closing Guantanamo. There's no reward, I know, for being the first black man to try to preside in Trump country. At least 80 species live in a sloth's fur. Algae swamp moss, I don't know, looks itchy. Animals and people willingly live in the Arctic and Mark Zuckerberg's terraforming Hawaii despite locals four years ago being like, stop coming here, please. The land can't handle it. 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 Some endangered condors are making a comeback in Chile. Ooh, look at that. Bombs. There you go. There it is. is. I do. I do not know how to come back in after reading my own poem. That is awkward. <laughs> Probably, we'll, we'll, who knows when we'll do this again? But I had fun. <laughs> Um, and since it's a special episode, we won't have an NBA question, but Bob, I do have something we have to address on the podcast. Okay, let's do it. Did you see that the Warriors called the Lakers and asked about LeBron James's availability? Of course I saw this. <laughs> this is the funniest thing to me. Is this not funny to you? This is hilarious to me. <laughs> In which way? I think it is funny, but I'm curious of the angle. Well, neither team's going great right now um right neither team's having a wonderful season um someone uh, on a podcast i think it was uh uh i don't remember who said it but someone was like we might we're, we could be headed towards the the greatest plan of all time where it's like the steph warriors yeah. versus the lebron lakers <laughs> and then the luca mavs versus the uh durant led phoenix suns as oh the plan God. tournament in the right, west right um and i just i just have to imagine the phone call was something like hey guys i heard it's not going great and, you know, you've got some older guys on your team, maybe heading towards retirement. Uh, how about Wiggins in a second for LeBron? <laughs> uh, I, I worry that it was maybe more serious. Than I'm that. sure it was, but uh, I think the, my favorite take on it was uh, someone was like yeah, a Twitter thing. But, you know, someone was like NBA Twitter would not have survived this. No, no. <laughs> No, I do think, you know, they always like people, I feel like joke about um, like rivals uh, mm-hmm. playing together. I've always thought it'd be, I always thought it would be like fun, like interesting to see like MJ and Hakeem play on the same team, for instance, mm-hmm. just see how their styles was, uh, you know, I don't really like this person too much anymore, but Bill Simmons had a part in his book where he's like, what if Larry Bird and Magic Johnson one year signed with the Magic just like in 1994, 95, played with the Shaq Penny Magic, and it was Magic on the Magic, and Bird wearing goofy pinstripes. <laughs> it just would have been funny. So, like, you know, I don't know. 
I, I think that's, that's it for me as a known longtime Warriors. <laughs> uh, it's, it's the, I think it would be really fun if they both were like, let's play on Charlotte next year. That to me is really fun. That LeBron would be fun. Joining like, the Warriors would be so awful. <laughs> yeah, LeBron joining the Warriors would be asymmetrical and kind of, kind of, kind of sad. Right. But also like, kind of sad because I don't think it would work. No, you know, like I as don't great think... as they would be, I don't like yeah. that team right now as constructed. Still would not get there. Yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to give up a lot and then do a lot of reconstructing and all that's right. boring. Um, right. Uh, but no, I just I thought it was so funny that they're <laughs> like because there's all those reports coming out of out of yeah. Lakerland, as the pundits right. say. Yeah. The anyway, I thought that was funny. I thought we should address that as as a noted Warriors and Lakers hater. I wanted to get your thoughts. Grateful <laughs> uh, uh, how much I've been able to think uh, poetry stuff as opposed to trade deadline the past week. You know, like yeah, really happy to not be super invested in that and been like, oh, there's a bunch of writers coming in town. That's where my energy is going to go right now. It was kind of great because I was kind of compressing all my stuff, um, mm-hmm. like, you know, compressing, like, my work schedule and stuff. To So I was busy all week, and I wasn't really keeping up with NBA news. And then Thursday was the trade deadline. That was the day we drove down. Yeah. So I went to – I dropped uh, Mallory and, and, and our kid off at the hospital and then, like, just put on the Zach Lowe podcast at the hospital, at the hotel. <laughs> at the hotel. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's something I didn't hear about from the trip. Oh, my. Oh, my goodness. No, no, no. <laughs> No hotel, and then um, I like drove drove the twenty minutes into Kansas City because I was staying in the suburbs, right. and uh, um, just put on a basketball podcast and caught up with the news of the day. And honestly, it was better than being on Twitter watching rumors fly yes, around. Absolutely, you know, yeah. No. Watching a bunch of like fake news and stuff. Like right. I don't know, I, I that that kind of lost its luster for me in like the last three years, I guess. Yeah, for sure. But <sighs> yeah, well, more, more more poets, less NBA rumors. <laughs> more poet rumors. More power rumors. <laughs> oh, did you see the here that game game overs targeting <laughs> game overs targeting Bob Sakura for next year's release schedule. Let's go. <laughs> Alright, that's a pod. That's a pod. Um, our music is done by Brennan Johnson and special shouts to Brennan who's uh, doing a little bit of an editing assist uh, this week. And our art is done by AM Strickland, and we'll be back next month. See ya.